Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Grab some refreshments. Join us. Let's stand and sing, sing together. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Memorial. We're glad you're here with us to worship our Lord and Savior here this morning. This is um, this is um, kind of a very casual service. If you're restaurants in the back, that you can go and get, and um, just come and join us and sing and stand and praise and worship. Let's sing "God of Wonders" together.
introduce somebody to you right quick. In the corner, coming out now, dum -da -dum. Dum -da -dum is Melody Hubbard, along with Lee. Melody, come here. <laughs> Melody is our new hired nursery worker. <clears throat> I just found out at her church she sings. So we may have to put a microphone back there. But anyway, Melody works with our uh, CEP program during the week and is going to be with us on Sundays to help us with our children. And so that gives us some stability and whatnot in our nursery. So we welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Turn and greet your neighbors and get something to eat. If all the kids would come forward now, we'd appreciate it. Come on, kids. All the kids. Children's sermon time. Come on. Good morning. Everybody doing well? All right. Today we're going to talk about how God can help us with our problems, whether they're big problems or whether they're little bitty problems. So any kind of problem that we have, God will help us. And I've got Jimmy here who's going to help me in just a minute. I'm going to tell you about a man named Goliath. How many of you have ever heard about David and Goliath? All right, good. We're going to talk about this man in the Bible named Goliath, and he was a really mean man, and he was really big. Um, compared to everybody else, he was a real giant. We're going to look in 1 Samuel 17, and I want you to listen carefully about Goliath. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man, measuring over nine feet tall. And I'm going to let Jimmy see here. He's got a yardstick, and that yardstick is three feet. He's going to measure three feet. Then he's going to measure six feet. <laughs> there you go. Nine feet tall, this man Goliath was. So he was a really big man, and they called him a giant. And he was the biggest soldier that the Philistines had. All right, let's listen to what happened, what he had. He wore a bronze helmet and a coat of metal that weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leggings, and he slung a bronze javelin over his back. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. That's like a big, sharp, pointed rock thing that weighed 15 pounds. All right, an armor bearer walked ahead of him and carried a huge shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites, Do you need a whole army to settle this fight we're having? Choose someone to fight for you and I will represent the Philistines. We will settle this dispute in a single combat. If your man is able, able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. 
I defy the armies of Israel. Send me one man who will fight with me. And when Saul and all the other Israelites saw this, they were afraid. Nobody wanted to fight that big giant of a man. He was a big problem, wasn't he? But there was one young boy that came out, and his name was David. And David took care of sheep. He was not a soldier. But he said, I'll fight this man because I know that God will help me. And so let's hear what happens, all right? Not only was Goliath a big man, he was a big problem. His people were at war with God's people, and none of God's people wanted to fight because he was so incredibly big. They were all afraid. Only one person, this young man named David, was willing to fight Goliath. Sometimes you and I have problems that are really big, and sometimes our problems seem like giants. What kinds of big problems do you and I have sometimes? What's a big problem that you have? Maybe a big um, job that we have to clean up in the house. Maybe we made a big mess in a room and our mom says, you got to clean it up and we look at it and it's too big for us. God can help us, can he? He can give us the strength to clean it up. All right. David knew that God would help him fight this giant and God can help us with our problems too. God sends friends or other family members to help us and sometimes God uses the church to help us with our problems. God uses doctors to help us when we are sick. And often God will solve our problems with a new job or a new house or money with a, from a loving person. God helps us with our big problems just as he would help David. And this is how David won his fight with the Goliath. He had five stones that he went to pick up. That doesn't look like much, does it? Five little stones. Let's look at those. That's what David had to defeat that big giant. But he also had God on his side. And what David did is he took a sling and he put this little smooth stone in that sling and he swung it around his head. It released toward Goliath the giant and hit him right in the right spot on his head and Goliath died. But God was helping David and that's how it all worked. All right, look at these stones. They're really small, aren't they? And sometimes we have problems that might seem like small problems too. Maybe like a hurt finger or a broken to toy. And even though many of our problems might seem small, they're still very important to us and those problems are also important to God. God helps us with our small problems as well as with our big problems. Now let's thank God for helping us with big and small problems. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for helping us with any problem that we have, no matter how big or how small. Amen. Do you remember how in the early days of television, they would, from time to time, just a bullseye would come on the screen and it would say, technical difficulties. Of course, now we broadcast through hurricanes, uh, you know, internet and all that. Well, we got technical difficulties. Uh, I think the, the projector just uh, bought the farm, so uh, as we say. So uh, anyway, our crew is working on it diligently, and we should be back live in a few minutes or not. <clears throat> it is good to see everybody uh, here today. If you are a first-time visitor, we have 
uh, on the back table back there, I hope we should have, some um, cups that we give out to first-time visitors with some information in it. Uh, if they're not there, they're back here, and I'll get them later, first-time visitors. So uh, we have further dif technical difficulties here. Um, but if we have any first-time visitors, be sure to get a cup. And also, have, like I said, it has explanations inside of the various events that we have going on here in the church. We invite all of you who are visiting as well as members to stay for our 10 o'clock Sunday school hour. All children's and youth classes are in this building, out this way. The older you get, the higher up you go. Um, and there are also some adult classes upstairs as well. So uh, we invite you to, to stay for Sunday school. There's a class for every age group, I promise you. We also um, have an 11 o'clock worship service over in the uh, sanctuary, and it's our traditional service. We invite you to, to come to that as well. I see that the membership committee is meeting today. Um, so will the Council on Ministries be meeting tonight at 7.30. So members, please be aware of that. I want to give you a chance to uh, tell us about your prayer concerns and uh, we invite you to write on an index card something that you want to share. If you raise your hand, our ushers will bring um, index. Oh, our ushers are running all over the place this morning. Thank you, David. Uh, if you raise your hand, we'll get index cards to you for, uh, for your prayer request. Uh, keep them up because here they come. We also will be passing around a booklet asking you to register your attendance and if you'd like to, give us your email address as well. This week it will um, be the last time to register for, um, okay it's Tuesday, Tuesday is the last day to register for the Susan G. Coleman Race for the Cure 5K uh, that is to be held on September the 27th um, at the CUICAR campus in Greenville. We have a pretty good sized team developing, so um, see Lee Radline if you would like to be a part of this uh, race for the cure. We uh, also today, across Methodism in South Carolina, will be receiving an offering for Epworth Children's Home which is uh, our children's home down in Columbia in the Shandon community, over 100 years old now. <clears throat> it was founded as an orphanage, but that's not the child care need as much in our day. We, today it's uh, children removed from unsafe uh, situations generally now that, that uh, land them at Epworth Children's Home. And what a wonderful place for them to be if they can't be home. So and I invite you to, um, to give to this cause uh, today and uh, you're welcome to use the envelopes that were distributed earlier today as well. Well, I was watching the news this week, 11 o'clock news, and they were talking about the difficulty of getting children, you know, to pass the PAC test. And I looked up there and I saw Jane Rhodes and I thought, I thought she's a little old to be taking the PAC test. But that she was on TV, Jane. <laughs> well, you were on TV, I'm telling you. So, uh, so we congratulate you for finally passing the PAC test. And, and for I guess you were substitute teaching that day when they were taking pictures. I don't know. <clears throat> but you were on there, Biggie's life. Uh, if you're ready with your prayer cards, uh, you may hold them up. And 
and they will be um, retrieved. We have a covered dish dinner, potluck dinner on Wednesday night of this week. And the next Wednesday night is the men's pancake supper. Is men's club uh, this coming Thursday? Is it already third Thursday? Gracious, gracious. So men club are reminded of that. They were, the men were actively involved in a wonderful ministry project yesterday of helping someone in need. I appreciate their good hard work. Any other announcements? They told, they told me yesterday I could use this. You know, David and Joy both are physicians. And so when you see David and Joy Hudson, you have a paradox. <laughs> for all those of you who are groaning, I thank you for your support. <clears throat> let's let's uh, join our hearts in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this day, for all that's going on in the life of this church, for the lives that are being touched in the name of Jesus Christ through all these good folks who go forth in your name to be carriers of love and grace. Help us, Lord, to never miss a chance to be gracious with one of your children. These are our prayers for this day. We pray for Elizabeth Clark in a time of transition in her life. We pray for the sale of a home. We pray for a brother's health. We pray for a marriage. We pray for Noreen Wright, Jocelyn Campbell, France Campbell, Jack Four, Joyce Brown, and Lauren Four. We pray for Kay Gaddy, who is facing knee replacement Monday morning. We pray for the Jameson family. We pray that a mother's eyesight will improve. We pray that your presence may be felt near to Martha Gibson as she faces surgery this Monday. We pray for good results from Michael's tests. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for those who will be traveling home this week we pray for the victims of Hurricane Ike. We pray for a friend going through surgery. We pray for those going through separation and divorce, especially the children involved. We pray for healing and comfort for Mike Berg, Carl Reinick, Ted, Gracie, and Christy. We pray for the health of a father. We pray for Chad Poole, as he fights ALS disease, and we pray for, his, for your strength to be with his wife and children. We pray for a family member who is seeking a job. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Hey, we're back up. Thank you. Um, the message is coming our way in a minute. I'm, I, the scripture lessons are very, very lengthy today, so I'm not going to read all of them. I did want you to, to have the reference if you needed to look anything up at home. The first is from Romans 14, 1 through 6. Actually, there's a third lesson that I didn't read, and it's the story of the Exodus, you know, where, where uh, Moses parts, or was it Barack Obama? No, parts the Red Sea. Haven't you seen the commercial? Look at, look at Kelly. Someone go get the oxygen for Kelly. You haven't seen the commercial. Okay. Anyway, Moses parts the Red Sea. <laughs> And, uh, and the children of God uh, walk through out of Egypt across the Red Sea. This, this is the, actually the second lesson of the day, Romans 14. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on dis, disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sa uh, sacred than another, Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Our gospel lesson, again, I'm not going to read all of it, just the beginning. I'll make tell you the story a little later on then Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me up to seven times Jesus answered I tell you not seven times but 77 times guidelines for getting along is the sermon title most of you probably are aware, at least those of you that come to the later service occasionally, are aware of the fact that a lot of us preachers follow what is known as the ecumenical lectionary in our planning for sermons. If you're not familiar with the lectionary, it is fairly young, dates back to the late 60s, and has been revived by an ecumenical committee a couple times since then. And what it does is to divide the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Gospels, and the Epistles into short little sections so that we can use them in our weekly worship. These short readings from the Bible are arranged into three groupings for three different years, cycles A, B, and C. The idea is that if a pastor follows the lectionary, then you will get to hear most of the Bible read if you're here every Sunday for three years. Ha ha. But at least you get a full range of, uh, of, of the Bible read during the three years. 
And what's more, if all the churches used the lectionary, then the same passages are read every week in every church, and preachers preach on similar themes, which can add a degree of unity and uniformity to the Christian movement. You'll also often find that what I have chosen for the sermon goes right along with your Bible study in your Sunday school classes because they're lined up by the lectionary as well. The Old Testament lesson for today, as I say, tells the story of the Exodus, and right after the Exodus, as the people were forming themselves or being formed by God into the community of faith, they were given the Ten Commandments, which was to teach them how to live with one another in peace. Paul's words in Romans are aimed at helping us get along with each other, especially during times of severe disagreements. The gospel lesson concerns forgiving one another and the frequency of extending forgiveness to one another. Perhaps the common theme, therefore, of these um, three uh, different, hello, there we go, uh, three different, still having technical difficulty here, the, uh, is that relationships need some things to succeed. The Ten Commandments tell us about respecting each other. Romans tells us about tolerance for our differences, and Matthew talks about forgiveness. The Ten Commandments are all about respect for God, for ourselves, and for others. And so at this point, I need Aretha Franklin to sing R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. We are told to respect God by worshiping him and him only and keeping his name holy. We're told to respect God and ourselves by resting on the Sabbath day. We're told to respect our parents. That adds length to our days, which only makes sense if you think about it. Parents say stay out of the road. It tends to keep us alive a little while longer. Respect for our fellow human beings is shown by not killing, not being unfaithful to our spouse, not stealing, not lying, and not coveting what others have. Healthy relationships occur when people respect each other and the basis of our respect ought to be that we all are God's children and we see that everybody else is a child of God too. If I really believe in the Bible, then I believe that God made everybody and that we're all kin. We all have a common ancestor. If we really believe that Jesus died for everybody in the world, then I must respect everyone as somebody God valued enough to send Jesus for, whether or not they realize it yet. When we think of respect, we naturally think about respect for elders as we should, but I have a feeling that we need to show our children that we respect them too. And the way to get a child to respect their elders is if an elder shows them respect. They learn by what they experience. So if you show children no respect, don't be surprised if they don't learn how to, how to respect you. I remember uh, trying to teach our little two-and-a-half, three-year-old uh, daughter, Hillary, to say thank you when people um, would give her things. And I remember one time I said to her, um, thank you. And she looked at me and said, thank you for saying thank you. 
And I said, thank you for, for saying thank you, for me saying thank you. And it went on for about a half hour. But uh, respect is something we can teach by giving it to the people that, that maybe we think don't deserve it. Little children. But they learn to respect us. The words of Paul remind us that tolerance must be a part of our life together, especially in times of disagreement when we don't get along. We live in a strange time when Christian people and denominations are greatly divided on many of our social issues, much like our nation as a whole is. There really is not one Christian consensus on subjects like capital punishment, social programs for the poor, science versus creationism, and environmental issues. We haven't even agreed yet about global warming. There isn't even a consensus among Christians on the issue of Roe versus Wade. Across the nations, Christians are pretty much divided 50-50 on that issue. By the way, one of the presidential candidates was asked about Roe versus Wade, and he responded, I'm against illegal immigration, whether they get here by rowing or wading. I heard some hisses again. I just, uh... In Paul's day, the disagreements largely had to do with, um, oh, me. hello, hit it again, there we go. In, Jesus's day, in Paul's day, the disagreements were largely due to racial and cultural differences. Hebrew Christians wanted the Christians of all stripes to observe all the Jewish laws, and the Gentile Christians didn't see a whole lot of reason for doing that. What was the right day to worship? The Jewish Sabbath, which was Saturday, or the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection, Sunday, or did it really matter? Maybe every day was God's day. And what about eating food that isn't kosher? How about meat that had been sacrificed and cooked at the pagan temple on the pagan altar and then sold in the market square? Can Christians buy and eat such meats as these? Well, it's fairly easy to see what Paul believed on that subject. Although he himself was a Jew, he refused to force Gentiles to behave like people of Hebrew ancestry. Food was food in Paul's mind. It didn't matter where it was prepared. You ate it, and, you, and it went through your body and nourished it. Meat sacrificed to idols was harmless, Paul said, because the gods to whom meat was sacrificed didn't exist. But even though he shows his hand and lets us see what he believes on those issues, he refused to issue binding commands and instead gave some guidelines and advice for how to help us in our times of disagreement. He says, first of all, allow other people to have difference of opinion from yours. Make up your own minds based on what you feel brings honor to the Lord and what your conscience can live with, but allow other people the freedom to do the same, even if the result is they disagree with you. Third, avoid arguing. I'll have to stay out of the Waffle House. Fourthly, Aim at producing peace within the body of Christ because there are few things more important than peace. We are God's servants, Paul said. 
And only God can judge his servants, his employees. We are not to judge one another. This is pretty sound advice in every age, and it reminds us that we need to accept the fact that not all of our brains think just alike. Some folks process information differently than I do. As someone has said, those of you who think you know it all really irritate the rest of us who really do. Tolerance is the ability to relate to people whose opinions, beliefs, and appearance are different from yours without insisting that they change or having to change yourself. In Seattle, there are three pastors who are known as the Three Amigos. They're trying to model tolerant behavior for Seattle. Rabbi Ted Falcon, Congregationalist Pastor Don McKenzie, and Muslim cleric Jamal, Jamal, I guess it is, Jamal Rahman, have become personal friends. And they've led their three congregations into times of worship and fellowship and service together and living in peace. Rather than trying to achieve agreement with one another by getting to the least common denominator, they decided they wouldn't do that. They said, no, you be faithful to your tradition. When you preach to the joint assembly of all the group and you're a Christian, you preach the Christian message. When you're Muslim, you preach the Muslim message. When you're Jew, you preach the Jewish message and we'll all learn and it's showing the community that there can be tolerance and cooperation. I realize that that word tolerance has some bad connotations for some folks. And I suppose anything, even tolerance, can be taken too far. But when I think about the horrible examples of intolerance we've had in our world in, in recent years, like the Nazis and Al-Qaeda, the communists, the KKK and Louis Farrakhan, if we make an error, I sure would rather err on the side of tolerance for a change. Even Paul, the greatest spokesman of all time for Christianity, told us to strive to live in peace. Well, I'm not going to really have time to get into this too long, simply to say that, that the rabbis taught that we were to forgive each other three times. And so Peter was being real generous when he taught that when he was asking about seven times. Jesus' answer indicated, though, that true forgiveness doesn't keep a scorecard. It doesn't keep a running tab. The number seven is a symbolic number meaning infinite, and so 70 would be 10 times infinite, and so 70 times seven would be way up there in terms of infinite. And uh, the wonderful thing for us to remember is that first of all, that's how God feels about us. We've got 70 times seven worth of forgiveness coming our way from God. And thank goodness it's limited. I mean, unlimited, unlimited, because I think I've already blown my 490. But if it's unlimited, then I've got some more. And we pass that forgiveness on to one another. For relationships to work, we must have respect, tolerance, and forgiveness. May we be peacemakers, for then we will be called God's sons and daughters. Let us worship God by giving.
became sin knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so
you stand and join together as we affirm our, grace, our faith in God using the Apostles' Creed as our affirmation. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth God, God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand stands one who is my Savior. I take Him at His word and to save me this I read and in my heart I find a name for him to be my savior that he would leave his place on high and come for sinful man to die with God and your neighbor, remembering, respect, 
tolerance and forgiveness. Amen. Sunday school and see you next week.